Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and today I'm joined by a special guest host, writer, editor, and local fairy gay mother, Dana Pickley. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and we have two very special guests with us today. Uh, we have Angel on Top co host and writer, Brittany Ashley. And fun employed writer, which is the best title ever, Matt <laughs> Willie. Hey, everyone. <laughs> um, thank you guys for being here. Um, of course. Really appreciate yeah, this. Um, I want to tell everyone that these three angels said yes and agreed to do this like two days ago. So, like, this all came together really quickly and everyone was super agreeable. So, I appreciate it. Um, things we do for Buffy. Yeah, I know. I like studied harder for this than any test in college. I was like, <laughs> I must get this right. <laughs> so today is our special Pride episode, and we're going to be discussing the queerness of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show, not specifically the person. Was uh, that one thing? What'd you say? With Buffy, like the one thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that was in the comics, so yeah. yeah, yeah. I think we're we're sticking to the show here, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's for the best. I'm I'm a little bit of a comics apologist, but yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think they have bad and good points. Good like story arcs. Um so I figured we would start with like kind of do the show in order of like first couple seasons. Um before the show actually had any queer characters, we had seasons one and two. When we had Jana Spenson on for season four, she said that she felt the show was queer and how it could serve as a metaphor. And I do kind of agree with her. Uh, you know, because in the season two episode in Becoming, when Buffy has to quote unquote come out to Joyce, and Joyce is like, Joyce is, is kind of a dickhead about it. Let's be real. Like, it's not my right. favorite. Yeah. Um, and Joyce is like, if you leave, you can never come back, blah, blah, blah. And it, I, I could see how it could equate to, like, queerness. Um, how do you guys feel about that? Yeah, I definitely think that queerness is used synonymously with otherness. Um, even now, I feel like there's some straight people who I, I identify as queer because they feel like they, you know, their thoughts are outside of the traditional heteronormativity um, and I think it's a lot of times in supernatural shows, like when you're dealing with non-mortals, because that's supposed to be kind of like the metaphor for for being gay, like like logistically coming out in Buffy's case as a slayer. But also another vampire show was was True Blood, uh, where there was like a lot of allegories about coming out, like coming out as a vamp or like coming out as a vamp supporter and coming out of the coffin because there's like that logistical element of having to tell the ones you love that you're not the norm in some aspect. So like, I think the coming out element is like the biggest, uh, the biggest like common thread amongst like queerness and, and something like this, like, like Buffy for instance. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. I, I actually tend to think, I, I think uh, it was Brett White wrote an article about X-Men, the cartoon when it hit its, I want to say 25th anniversary um, and how he said that, like, it was the first, like, serialized storytelling that kind of paved the way to Buffy. And I feel like I, I think of that a lot because X-Men as a, like, kid kid was my absolute fucking favorite. I had to, because of course I was a nerdy kid, get allergy shots every Saturday morning. And so I would have to have <laughs> my dad set up the VCR to tape X-Men so when I got home I could watch it. Uh and I really feel like I love, I didn't want to miss anything because I'd be like, yeah, but if I miss one episode, I won't know, you know, why Jean Grey is doing this or why Wolverine is upset about this. Um, and it's weird to think like two shows that are often seen as like a metaphor for queerness um, fall under that, but I don't know if they do. <laughs> I'm sorry, did I interrupt you, Matt? <laughs> oh, no, I wasn't saying anything. I don't know. Um, Matt! Something. Yeah. <laughs> Now's your chance, man. Yes, here I am. Um, well, I guess for me, it's like the first two seasons are very much queer in their hopefulness. Um, that's something that I really feel like the show does a good job of exploring in the beginning. Is like, um, you know, all these characters have sort of non-normative hopes that could definitely be seen as queer in a way, um, but you know, it was never. It was never overt. It was never, you know, I think the most uh, 
like you said, Ian, the most commonly held, you know, metaphor there is when Buffy, you know, quote unquote, comes out to her mother. Um, but I guess I would, I would be interested in hearing what you guys think about, you know, just their day to day lives. Can we think of them as, you know, uh, a sort of queerness? I think that Buffy, the first two seasons, certainly laid a, the groundwork of a safe space for it, their, the characters and the viewers. You know, like, if you were feeling kind of on the periphery, you knew that, like, you could find a comfort spot in Buffy, right? right. And I think that's something interesting about how Joyce reacts to Buffy coming, coming out about being a slayer is it makes me think of when I was a little kid. And whenever I'd fall or like hurt myself or scrape my elbow or whatever, my mom would get so mad. And it wasn't that she was mad at me for hurting myself. She was mad because I was hurt. Right. Yeah. And that she was like worried fierce. about me, you know, like she was worried. And I think that that a lot of why Joyce reacts the way she does is, was a fear, a fear of like what Absolutely. this meant for Buffy's life in the future. And I think that take that and put that, you know, a queerness element onto it parents freaking out about kids coming out. I mean, I think a lot of it was like, I'm scared of what your, the future holds for you. Yeah. I always kind of read that scene in a similar way where, you know, obviously you want Joyce to, you want her to react really well to it, but you know, it makes sense that she's scared for Buffy, like not even so much, like you said, not, you know, angry at her, but angry at the world that she has to face every day. Yeah, um, I think that's a really good point. It's funny because, so as I've said a million times in the podcast, my mom was who, who was who got me into Buffy. Like, she loved it. My first memory is her crying watching Buffy stab Angel on our tiny kitchen TV. Um, <laughs> and me being like, what are you doing? And her being like, you don't understand. Um, <laughs> and my mom actually always really hated Joyce because she felt Joyce wasn't supportive enough of her daughter. And it's funny because once I like told my mom, and I love my mom, this isn't like, you know, I feel like lots of parents have, when I first came out, she wasn't, she was the one that was like the weirdest about it. Um, and I almost think it's like some projection going on there because I, I, I think you're right. I think Joyce, it wasn't that she like hated her daughter for this. It was like, I'm scared of what's going to happen. And weirdly enough, recently I took my mom to see Love, Simon and she she was like, oh, the... I don't, did you guys all see it? No, I actually haven't. I haven't either. I feel so horrible. Yeah. Dana, have you? I, I, it's so funny. I was, almost, I was about to rent it this weekend, and then I found out I was getting a screener of it. So I'm <laughs> waiting to get that screener. <laughs> well, damn it. Um, well, it's really good. I recommend it to everyone. Um, and I don't want to ruin it for you, but there's a really good coming out scene with Jennifer Garner. God, and, I wish I could have come out to Jennifer Garner. Right, God. Um, <laughs> and she's so just like, someday, someday. She does such good, like... <laughs> <laughs> she does such good, like, tender, understanding mom that it's, like, bananas so well done. And me and my mom both cried. Um, and on the drive home, she was like, oh, you know, that scene was so great, blah, blah, blah. And she, like, kind of mentioned knowing that she wasn't that great about it. And I forget what I said to her, and she just said... Well, you know, I was really scared. Matthew Shepard had only happened a few years before that. She was like, and that's all I could think of. And then I was like, oh, that does put a little bit into perspective, you know, the scared parent as opposed to like, they're not actually being hateful. It's just, oh, I'm scared of what could happen. And so that could completely relate to Joyce since Buffy is literally putting her life on the line 24 hours a day. Right. And I think like uh, in a different uh, note, perhaps... I think anyone who was kind of like the only queer p person that they knew when they were younger, it kind of makes them feel like the chosen one in a way. Like there's <laughs> nobody else that yeah. they can relate to. And it's something that only they alone can face because the rest of their friends are straight or, you know, not a slayer. And I feel like there's probably that aspect that a lot of us probably related to as well, that we had this like prophecy that we needed to fulfill that nobody else could do except for us until we get to college. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany, I loved you um, sneaking in the like Giles, like she is the only one, the chosen one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I think also the thing with, um, you know, in the first couple of seasons, Buffy is still really struggling with, like the the prophecy herself um totally. which 
definitely gives me, you know, queer parallels there too, which is just, you know, this has kind of been forced upon her and, you know, she has to learn to live every day of her life in a different way than she has been told to. And obviously the circumstances for Buffy are very different than for a queer child. But um, I think it's kind of similar in, you know, she, she kind of considers herself a bit of a monster at first. Um, And, you know, when I was, when I was younger, before I came out at all, I definitely remember having days where I kind of felt like a monster myself. Um, I think it's something that a lot of queer children struggle with is um, feeling demonized in a way. Well, I, I think that Matt just brought us perfectly into the next question, Ian, about Larry, yes. who was really the only queer character before season four and had, you know, a bit of a trope-tastic beginning um and then unfortunately his his gay got buried at graduation so all of you what are your thoughts on larry i so i he did have a trope to him but i thought they did a good job of steering away from that trope after because what i don't he doesn't come out in his first introduction or is that his first episode when he comes out no No, i think you see basically bully tries to sexually assault buffy too yeah Yeah. halloween episode so right, right. It's that whole angry, um, closeted gay bully stuff. Yeah. Trope. So, you know, as the bully, it was like, oh, he's just the bully. Um, but then once he comes out, they did do it. I, I do agree that it's a trope. But then I think they did in season three, like he talks to Xander and he's like, oh, my grandma set me up with guys. It's really great. Like, and he thinks Xander's trying to come out to him, which, of course, would have read completely different if Xander had come out. Um, but <laughs> I-, I did like him as like the like chill day jock like once he was like comfortable with himself i don't know i liked that i was upset that he died and i remember always hoping that he wasn't dead like while watching the show being like that'd be really cool if he made a guest appearance and they had the gay character come back but then was it season six what yeah she says to amy oh he died at graduation even though there is a clear and he's gay yeah there is a clear uh larry moment is when uh willis says oh he's dead and gay (laughs) (laughs) that's what it's gonna say on my tombstone (laughs) (laughs) dead and gay it felt like there wasn't a lot of thought that went into his character arc like it was just very expedited that like he was this like tropey bully. He, he was just like a bully that was irredeemable and we hate him. And then we empathize with him because he has this internal struggle of being gay. And then ultimately we're sad that he died. Like it just felt like there was just this like mini arc that we got. Um, but but I, I did feel somewhat like tricked in the way that the only redeeming thing that could happen to him was that he was struggling with being gay. And I was like, damn it, now I have to like him. <laughs> like, it just felt like such a trick because he was such an asshole before he came out. Right. But it does kind of uh, it does kind of turn the, the tide on what queer characters typically were used as in in like entertainment and, and pop culture, because the fact that the thing that humanizes him, the thing that makes him a much better person and the reason that we actually give a shit that he died is that he embraced who he really was and that person okay. is a gay man. Yeah. Right. And I, I I can remember, Dana, I don't know if you remember, like, watching it and, like, I, I like, remember being excited that there was even a gay character just because it was so not oh, yeah. often that that would happen. Um and I think I, because I mean, I didn't start watching the show until the third season. So I think I knew he was gay and went like, I had watched his like episode where he was like already out. And I think I like retroactively saw the scenes of like, oh, he was actually a bully and blah, 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 blah. Um, and like mad sexist. Um, yeah. So it was like weird. My like, oh, I like him. He's the one gay character. So I like him. And then it's like, oh, oh, all right. Um, yeah. <laughs> we all can all agree our feelings on Larry are, are complex yeah problematic yeah i guess just for me it's um you know i have trouble getting past him as a plot point um i i remember i think my first watch i felt more of what you're saying ian with like kind of you know just wanting to root for him because he came out and embraced himself but um you know on second watch i think i was a lot more critical of it for sure and i was kind of just like oh like they just you know they made him 
the butt of a joke basically is kind of how it felt um and it was like i think part of it for me was knowing that oz was actually because the the whole plot point is like they think that he's the werewolf right Right. they think Mm -hmm. that it's him over oz um so for me it was kind of just like an oh gotcha like that kind of moment rather than being like an actual character develop moment um it always kind of just it it stayed at a plot kind of surface level for me um which made it difficult for me to really like i i personally didn't really mourn his death at all and i think it was because of that um it was kind of just like oh man that sucks like queer characters gone but um him as a character i never really felt any depth to that's fair and i mean he was just a side character Um, right so should we should we go on to season four and Willow's coming out? Yeah, I think we should do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this is where we'll spend probably most of our time. Brittany, you were actually on for the episode when that happens. I certainly was. Yeah. Um Yeah, what do you all how do you all feel about it? I personally I do I, I think her coming out, if anything, is handled like in the best possible way. I I like the scene with her and Buffy, and I like that it's like, Buffy is a little bit of a jerk, but then she's immediately like, no, I'm being stupid, it's fine. And then it just is fine. Which isn't quite realistic, but I I don't know, I like it. And I like seeing, I mean, I think we even said this on the podcast, Brittany, that episode, that I like seeing my hero react to someone coming out. Totally. Yeah, that that was like, yeah, absolutely. And it's also, it's like one of those rare moments in the show where, we as the audience know something that she doesn't. And so it's like, uh, or well, not, not that necessarily, but it's one of those rare d- dynamics where like the audience could possibly be against Buffy based on yeah. her like action or reaction to something. And I think that, I think that she does have the reaction that like most people's best friend, best friends probably had where yeah. it's like only a little bit shocking because it isn't what they had imagined, but also it is somewhat surprising that she didn't have, like, an inkling whatsoever, but I guess that's just, like, the unfortunate side effect of queer female relationships where society generally can't tell the difference between a friendship and a sexual relationship. So yeah. that just might be, like, society in general. <laughs> I, have, yeah. I have a quick question for, for Matt and Britt. Um, when you guys first started watching Buffy, did you, is it, you caught it on, on syndication? Like, when, I mean, I'm assuming neither of you were old enough to actually have like watched it during its original run. Yeah, I was a Netflix Buffy person, so okay. I I binged it, um, and I actually did know um, I knew about Willow um, from you know season one, um, and was always kind of looking out for it. And I wish that I hadn't known, so I could you know have the experience of right. completely you know finding out in the most organic way possible um but going back kind of to you know even kind of your question about the coming out scene with Buffy in particular is I really liked that it was still quippy you know it was still like there were still there was still kind of an edge to it um and I think that they easily could have made it too dramatic um and made you know a lot of you know a lot of tears and um, obviously coming out is a very, it's a very difficult process. Um, but I thought that, you know, Buffy's character stayed very true to Buffy in coming out, which was, um, important to me as a viewer. I think Ian and I both watched Buffy while it was happening like live, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think Ian and I have a little bit different of a perspective of, of it because, you know, here here we are, it's like 1998 or (laughs) night once, you know, sorry. Uh, what Willow came out in 1999, 2000? I think it might have been 2000. Yeah, 2000. Okay, so 2000. All right, that's 18 years ago. <laughs> and the fact, like, right. me as a little gay thing, the fact that Buffy, like, you know, barely blinked at it was massive. And to me, I can't remember another coming out at that point in pop culture, like, history on television that was as not a big deal yeah. as as Willow's. Yeah. Um, it's funny because, Dana, I actually, and I, you can all just tell me to shut up. I, I know I'm repeating myself because I've said these things shut up. <laughs> <laughs> before. But um, so I watched the show starting in season three. And then because they 
delayed Earshot and the finale because of Columbine, and I didn't know that they delayed it. I thought I just missed them. I kept being like, oh, I'm not going to watch the next season until I've seen the finale and those last few episodes that I missed, and then I never caught them because I didn't know when they were on, and then I didn't oh. watch season four until I found, like, someone told me, oh, Willow's gay now, and I was like, <gasps> what? And then it was like, okay, now I have to go back to the show. Um, and I, like, went back at the end of season four. And I don't think I had even seen the episode where she comes out. I just, like, jumped back in and was like, oh, that's her girlfriend. I love it. And was, like, so excited. <laughs> um, but I can remember the first time I watched that episode of her coming out. And for me, like, I mean, I tear up every time I watch that scene. But, like, I remember sobbing because I was so happy that to see my hero react and like she just you know has like a pause and then is cool and that was such a big deal back then (laughs) yeah absolutely so do we want to move on i feel like this is a uh a maybe divisive topic what do we think of willow do we think that she should have been bi or do we think like what do we think of the progression of her sexuality well i think it kind of, you know, it takes on a totally different note when looked at kind of what we were just looking at from, you know, 2000. Right. Um, so, you know, if you're looking at it in 2000, I think, you know, it's pretty much really the best we could hope for uh, and maybe even more so than, you know, what we would have expected at the time on, you know, this this uh, vampire slang TV show um, in 2000. But um, we also kind of have to look at it as, you know, in 2018, how does this show look? Um, And I think that maybe we get two kind of different answers based on it, um, at least for me. Um, So I don't know. How do you guys feel about that? Do you think it's, you know, different now than it would have been? Um, Like Willow's identity? Oh, I want want to hear what Brittany has to say about this. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly think that it's, it's most probable that she didn't identify as bisexual because that wasn't ever really seen on television and it's still not even seen that much on television now. So I think it was just easier for them to say that she was a lesbian. Um, However, like there is that weird line of, of we, we watched her, you know, be with Oz as much as she, as much as she was in the, you know, like we know that whole history. So that is a weird line of like still trying to, figure out if those feelings were still valid. Um, especially that talk in the van. Um, I think it was in that episode that I was on where it was, where she says something to like the degree of, I wouldn't be surprised if we ran into each other in like 10 years. And this is after she had met Tara too. So it's like, it's such a tricky topic. It's for me, it's like a very tricky topic because when, when she eventually, I had always assumed like when I, went back and rewatched it as an adult, I always just like assumed that she was bisexual. But then like later in the seasons when they, when she would, when some, either she would identify as a lesbian or someone else would like make some sort of comment about her being a lesbian. I was like, Oh, that was never really discussed, but this is also okay because this is a lot of people's experiences as well. And she was in high school and she was with Oz and it doesn't mean that that relationship wasn't real. It was just, you know, it was attributed to a different time. Basically, who knows? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I, I, 100%, I 100% agree with you, Britt. Um, I think that in 2000, in, in the early aughts, um, <laughs> things were way more, was, sexuality was looked at in a way more black or white kind of way. Oh, absolutely. And I think that it was like, how are we going to present Willow with this girl? Well, she's got to be a lesbian now. And, but, you know, <laughs> In the same respect, I do know girls who had boyfriends in high school, loved their boyfriends, but then later did come out as lesbian, or being like a monosexual. Now, now if, if Buffy had happened in 2018, most likely I think Willow probably would identify as bi or pan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But in 2000, the fact that we got this storyline at all was pretty, like, was pretty shocking. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. I... I think it that I think that is most certainly a sign of Buffy's age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny that you would say that, Dana. I, so that that actually was my queer experience. Like I dated women, you know, we I was like, oh, I'm fully in love with this woman, blah, blah, blah. Like 
Now, I mean, in high school, so I was like, you know, 16, but, you know, that's still like, and I really thought that. And I remember when I was like approaching 18, I kept thinking like, oh, maybe like I like both. But like even the term bi was barely in my mind back then, you know. And I actually once wrote an article about Iceman coming out. And I said how, like, he dated women, but that did follow my queer coming out story. And I actually had some people that I had to block because they were like, oh, well, you identify wrong. Like, you're not gay then. And I was like, what? I, yes, I am. What? <laughs> and it was, like, really weird. So I always relate it to that. Like, I always relate it to, like, well, Willow was like me. Like, she thought she was in love with this guy. And, like, I don't know. I go, I go back and I even think, like, I don't know. Like, I definitely thought they were real. But, like, also, as a teenager, what... You know, everything's dramatic and crazy. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I go back and forth with that because I could see... Yeah, I definitely think in 2018 it would make more sense for them to have her come out. Even just, like, saying, oh, I'm queer, you know, doesn't have mm-hmm. to, like... Right. That would have been made sense. But, like, of course, that word wasn't used for anything other than, like, really an insult back in 2000, right? Right. right. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess, Ian, kind of, you know, what's resonating with me in this conversation is that um you know she doesn't denounce her love for oz yeah she doesn't go back and try to rewrite it and say you know it was nothing or you know i've realized that it wasn't actually love um because you know i think the way that episode is set up is that you know she kind of has to confront the fact that she does still love oz um you know, and there's that conversation in the van, which I still like every time that I think about that van conversation, I get really angry because I'm like, why would you put Willow through this torment? But um, <laughs> I I really appreciate that they didn't have her go back and try to rewrite that for herself. Um, and I guess that's why for me, I've always just whether or not she's self-identified and, you know, um, as bisexual, that's why I've always like when I'm discussing the show with, with other people, um, I always kind of just think of her as bisexual because she doesn't go back and rewrite it. Um, she doesn't say, you know, I didn't love Oz. Um, so I think that's really important too, is whether or not the show labels her, um, or how she would label herself in 2000 or 2018. Um, yeah, she still loves Oz even when she's met Tara. There is a moment, though, where <laughs> doesn't she say, hi, uh, gay now? Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, right. true. <laughs> and so I, I guess at, I try not to impose what I think of people's sexualities on them, even characters. Yeah. I, try to, I try to go with, with, with what they say. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean... It's it's not it's 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 complicated, right? Because it's yeah. there's a lot going on there. There's a lot yeah, that could have been discussed, that could have been expanded, that wasn't. Um, but I think I think we all I think we all know things would probably be different 18 years yeah. later. Yeah, and I think it was also probably such a conscious choice when they chose to introduce Kennedy after Tara had passed away. Like don't, I just don't, I just start with Kennedy yet. (laughs) But I just wonder what would have happened if they would have introduced another like male love interest. You know what I mean? Like it just would have been such an an uproar. And so I feel like their way to be like, okay, we're calling her a lesbian now is to introduce fucking Kennedy. (laughs) Well great. You know, now that I have Kennedy's name taste in my mouth, we actually need to talk about something first okay and i need you all to like take a sip of water i need you to like <laughs> i'm literally breathe, doing that <laughs> breathe a little bit because <sighs> we need to talk about tara's death okay <sighs> and was it ever was it fridging and what are your thoughts on the fact that the only queer character that that the only the queer the only person whose love interest is killed in buffy main main character is the queer character well, technically, Angel was killed as well. Wow. Okay. Jenny Calendar. <laughs> you can't forget Jenny Calendar. That's true, yeah. Okay, all right. Well, forget Strike That. <laughs> and Anya as well. Well, yeah, but she's not... That's like... There's no repercussions from that. You know what I mean? That's like that's the very... True. Except we remember it for the rest of our lives. Right, and I still cry about yeah. it because I love Anya. But, um, yeah. There's that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm curious. I want to hear Matt and Brittany I want to hear what you think about this 
Yeah, I mean, um, for me, it's, like, unfortunately a bit too similar to Larry, um, which is that it feels like in her final moments, she does become kind of this plot point. Um, and I think this is something that I talked about in the article that I wrote, um, but Joss Whedon one time said, you know, the reason that I did it was because it was the only way that I could think to push Willow over the edge. And to me, like him saying that makes it um, all the worse because it's basically saying to me, like, you know, I had to kill her not because, you know, it was her time to die or like because it made sense for her relationship with Willow, but because we needed Willow to become evil. Um, so it just feels like she gets kind of, you know, trampled over um, and their relationship gets trampled over just in, you know, the attempt to make Willow become what she becomes at the end of season six. so Which is pretty um, much like the definition of fridging. Right. So it, it really is hard for me to see it any other way. I think that, like, we all love Tara, but I think that, like, upon rewatches, I, I see how they, uh, how, like, all the other Scoobies interacted with Tara. And it's so funny because, like, when you're when you're talking about how like Joss viewed her, it's like almost so much that more clear to me, like how how he truly did just view her as an extension of Willow and Willow's arc. Because to me, it kind of like gave me the vibes of meeting, like it gave me the vibes of meeting uh, a new girlfriend's like set of friends who are like all really straight, and they just kind of all look at me like I'm just this lesbian who made their friend different, and like. <laughs> And, like, for all of Dawn's flaws, Dawn is truly the only other person, aside from Willow, who I think treated Tara as an individual and, like, someone who wasn't just an extension of Willow. And so, like, in that sense, it d it didn't really surprise me that he killed off Tara just for Willow's arc's gain. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dana, what do you feel about it? I'm still pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I it's been 18 years and I'm still pissed. Put it on the gravestone. You know? <laughs> still pissed about Tara. Dead and still gay pissed. and still pissed about Tara. Still pissed about Tara. Pissed about Tara. Um, <laughs> you know, at the time, I I vividly remember it happening, watching it live, yes. and it felt like the biggest kick in the gut. Then I, I mean, I was just shattered yeah. about it. Yeah. And I didn't know what I know today. You know, I mean, I wasn't an entertainment writer right, or right. critic. Or, you know, I didn't, I wasn't able to like look at things from different perspectives like this. All I knew is like as this gay kid that my heart was broken. Yeah. Right. And I, but it was also in one, in one respect, I wasn't surprised because I had grown so used to lesbian and queer women characters in particular, um, either being evil or dying. Right. And so that's, I mean, we're talking like 18 years ago mentality. And so well, unfortunately yeah. it's, <laughs> it hasn't changed. So yeah. Much. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's where I was. I was, I was in a, I was in a bad place during during yeah. that time it's funny dana because yeah i feel like that's kind of it was like oh of course they killed the gay character so it wasn't even like in my mind to be like offended other than just like devastated and upset like i remember crying so hard so wait fun fact i had read before that episode ever aired i had read that joss said in the first episode of the first season he wanted to include jesse in the credits as a fake out for that, like, you wouldn't expect him to die, so that when he died, it was more shocking. And him um, saying that they didn't have the budget for that. And I had read that, like, that clip of him saying that in a bunch of different, like, websites and, like, interviews. And so in seeing Red, when Amber Benson was in the credits, and I had oh, read yes! that this season someone was gonna die, I was like, oh my god, Tara's gonna die. Like, I remember seeing her in the credits and tearing up because I was like, fuck, I know who they're oh, gonna kill. Oh my god. Yeah, okay, He's so let's twist it. Can we yeah, let's talk about that. What <laughs> kind of messed up shit was that? Yeah. yeah. 
I, yeah, I, I feel like Tara's, I feel like all the deaths on the show, they do a pretty good job of making them really fucking upsetting. Um, but yeah. Tara's death is like just so, okay. so much. Okay. Also, the thing about Tara's death is it's so human. She gets shot. Yeah. You know, like so many of the other characters who die, um, whether they come back to life or not, are, you know, it's supernatural. Um, it's like, you know, a vampire, vampire or a yeah. werewolf or some weird demon thing. But, I think Tara's death is so hard because it's like she gets shot in the backyard. Like that's yeah. so traumatizing. And like mm-hmm. they have got, I think also the, the Scoobies by this point have gotten so used to killing demons and, you know, dealing with that kind of violence and death, but they've never had something so human in their backyard. And from and- a human. Right, exactly. I, it's just so, like, it's devastatingly human is, like, how it felt to me. I I also remember very vividly my reaction to it, which um, was just, you know, I, I don't know, are we allowed to curse on the show? Yeah, absolutely. What's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was just like, why the fuck did this happen? <laughs> I, I, like, I did a, a big gay gasp, and then I said, why the fuck did they kill Tara? And I that's still how I feel, is, like, it's just... Um, yeah, she she was killed by a gunshot by a human in their backyard, and it was just so 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 different and mortal, you know, based on a show that everything so far is about, you know, yeah. these supernatural events. So, um, yeah, I think that was always something that really stuck with me was just the fact that it was it was set off by that, you know, it was totally different. So I do think it's a problem. But I also, I have trouble, so the two parts of my brain go like this. Well, it is a show where people die all the time, and I'm crying over characters' deaths. So shouldn't it be, like, not problematic if one of the queer characters is killed, but we still have queer characters? But then the other part of my brain is, yeah, but Oz got to leave without dying, Riley got to leave without dying, Angel got to leave without dying, I mean, he died, but then he came back, and then he left. Um... So it almost feels like... So those are the two parts of my brain that I have whenever I think of this specific discussion. Is like, oh, but people died all the time and I cried over lots of deaths, but lots of significant others got to leave. Like Tara and Willow literally could have just stayed broken up and it could have been Tara leaves Sunnydale and I still would have cried, but like I would have known that my baby was alive and I wouldn't have been so upset. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know something I appreciate is hmm. that um, the there's also another person that's still very upset about Tara's death, and that's Amber Benson. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, I mean, and I think Ian and I have both had, I don't know if you guys have had the pleasure of, of meeting Amber or, or interviewing her or anything, but, like, I mean, yeah, she was like, very devastated yeah. <laughs> about this and still is. You know, she's so loves, you know, super loves her fans and appreciates yeah, you know, all the love that she's gotten over the years. But like, yeah, she was broken hearted. Yeah. And like, yeah, when I when I I like interviewed her at Comic-Con and then I like got some drinks post Comic-Con drinks with her. And literally I bought her a shot and I was like, can I gush to you about Tara and Willow for a second? She went, of course you can. And I was like, you don't know how much <laughs> it meant to me watching the show with my mom and being able to come out to my mom and she already loved Willow and Tara. Blah, blah, blah. And she literally just said, that means a lot to me, and gave me a big hug, and I was like, I <laughs> 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 like, called my mom the next day from my apartment, like, Mom, I met, I met the actress who plays Tara, and she hugged me. <laughs> I think a lot, I mean, maybe not all of them, <clears throat> but most of the Buffy actors seem pretty in touch with the fandom, and I do always appreciate that. Yeah. And I feel like most Buffy fans are kind of like, it's like, chill queers or like like if they're straight they're like usually not like annoying nerdy straight people (laughs) (laughs) um i feel like that like reads this like atmosphere of oh like they can talk to their fans and they they care but they cared about their characters and i i do feel like that comes through i mean especially but they were they were one of the but i mean i'm sorry to interrupt you but they were one of the first uh casts that actually did interact with their fandoms because there was the website The Bronze, oh, right. which was yeah. this like 
uh-huh. chat board. And the writers and the actors and people that were involved, they actually spoke to their fans. And so, I mean, now you're just a click away from saying God knows whatever to right. your your favorite, you know, actors or whatever. But like this was this was like completely not something that had really happened before. And so maybe that's why after all these years, they still do have such a deep connection to their fans. Yeah, yeah. I think that makes and sense. I think- um, not to cut in, but um, oh, I also just wanted to bring back, I guess, the idea of, um, you know, queer hope in the show um, and kind of how Tara's death plays into that. Um, and I mean, at least for me, and I'd love to hear what you guys think about this, but I think it's kind of um, the fact that, you know, the show is so much about, you know, finding, like, the the hope in the dark places um and then you know like finding a way out of it and you know defeating the darkness um how like how you see tara's death in that light um because like we've talked a lot about how you know tara's death and you know queerness in the show how they relate to like you know tv in general um but what do you guys think of it in terms of the show like does it make sense for the show is it because I, I definitely have opinions on this, but I'd like to hear what you think. Wait, I'm sorry. What was the end of that question about queer? It's like, yeah, so, like, how does it fit into, like, the show's ideas of hope? Huh. Like Tara's death, or... Yeah, Tara's death. I... I, I hope they don't kill any more lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> I, to be honest, and I know that everyone's going to have strong feelings on this, I, I think that... It doesn't add to that, but I think Willow's recovery and then Kennedy's appearance adds to that. Don't kill me for saying Kennedy. <laughs> no, I, I get that it was like a step in her like recovery phase and like being able to move on. And I mean, we've all rebounded with someone fucking awful. So <laughs> I get that. Okay, okay, you know what? Let's go on. To, let's just start. Let's just talk about it. Okay. Let us yeah, deal with I Kennedy. <laughs> I am actually... You're all going to hang up on me on this podcast right now. I'm a little bit of a Kennedy apologist. <laughs> Only because... Wait, Brittany, wait. I can, like, feel you. Um, <laughs> only because I do think what you just said holds true. I think Willow needed a rebound. Like, I think that's 100% what Willow needed. She didn't need the love she had with Tara to be the first love she, the first relationship she had after Tara's death. I think it needed to be a rebound. Like, I consider Kennedy the way I consider Riley for Buffy. Like, Buffy needed a boring, douchey guy that wasn't Angel. Like, she needed someone that there wasn't, you know, constantly high stakes and high drama. Um, And I think that's... And their, like, personality trait is, like, aggressively into... Like, like Kennedy's, like, personality trait is just aggressively into Willow. Yes. Um, They're like, let's make her the exact opposite. Yeah, not self-spoken, not humble, not kind. She's just like trying to prove that she's a top in every single scene that she's (laughs) in. You're never going to see Kennedy at a Renaissance festival. (laughs) No, not going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) She's never going to wear one of those witch dresses. (laughs) There is like some redeemable part about like, I guess it's nice that she now has this woman who like cuts to the chase and is like, yo, I want to fuck you. Are you into that? But it's also <laughs> just like insanely irritating. Like every time I watch her, I'm just like, oh God, you're irritating. <laughs> but I mean, I guess that she served this purpose, you know? But also I think Kennedy is the most capable of the like potential slayers. Ugh, so- I know. and But then also maybe Willow gets to like live out some sort of fantasy of like fucking a potential slayer. You know what I mean? Yeah, true. Um, but like, good for her, you know, she deserves it. <laughs> she had a rough year. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, um, it was, it, I don't know. I mean, for me, it was too soon, but it's television. You, you, you have to, you have to, you get like a half a season. Yeah. And then you got, the character has to move on. That's just how it right. works. Well, I think it's also, you know, it's, for me, it's the fact that it's the final season is, kind of important to how I think of Kennedy, which is that I, when I was watching the final season, I was like, I want every moment to count. You know, I was like, I want 
to see shit going down. I want to see things thrown. I want like plot points left and right. And then we would get to like a Kennedy Willow scene and I would be like, God, why are we watching this? Like <laughs> we only have, you know, 20 some odd episodes left and you're giving us this like this weird, you know, rebound plot line. And I was just kind of like, I don't know, by the, by the time, you know, you're midway through the season, I was like, when like when are we going to get past this i was just like i am tired of it so i definitely understand the function um and i could see from a story point of view why it might make sense but i think it's also important to be like yeah this is the final season like of buffy the vampire slayer we don't need annoying rebounds anymore like we had riley we don't (laughs) need kennedy we put up with him it didn't really occur to me until just now when we were all talking that when Willow was with Tara, things were fairly chaste, you know? And even, like, their, even their in-bed scene, like, it's post, you know, post-coital. Yeah, yeah. Um, but with Kennedy, it's like we are seeing Willow as this adult woman with a sexuality. Yeah. Totally. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, we, we actually get, like, kind of a big deal sex scene. Yeah. Um, with with Kennedy and Willow and it it I finally like just like clicked with me like oh this is like grown up Willow and this is like something that we probably couldn't have seen with her connection with with Tara back then not saying that they didn't get busy because I know they did but <laughs> I saw but, it once more with feeling <laughs> <laughs> right nothing like a musical theater sex scene um, but I'm thinking that we didn't know Willow as an adult yet to be able to see this. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's actually something we've been discussing in season five, how they do age them like post high school. They try to age them up. Like in season four, they still were, they still felt like teenagers because we saw them on campus a lot, but then post season four, like they still are in college, but like, I don't know. There's maybe like five scenes in the whole season where Buffy's on campus and lots of times it's, like, her walking from class. There's never, like, her sitting down in a classroom, blah, blah, blah. And, like... Girl never went to class. Yeah. And <laughs> I feel like that was part of their, like, age-up process. Like, they were getting there. And then I feel like by season seven, you forget they're not, like, 25 or 30. Like, they're still only, I think, 22. Yeah. 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 And, you know, and I, I think I just said this in the episode we recorded earlier today, me and Matthew that I think maybe Buffy stayed with Riley longer than she should have because maybe the sex was really good. Like, and maybe that's what Willow was with Kennedy. Like, well, she's, you know, pretty good in bed. So this will do for the apocalypse. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Who hasn't been there? Who hasn't hasn't wanted to bunk down with a, a very attractive potential slayer at the end of the world. At the end of the world. Yeah. (laughs) So relatable. (laughs) I also wanted us I was at, I'm actually surprised. You guys were all fair about Kennedy, I have to say. Cause Norman... Okay, I'm biting my tongue just a little bit. Just to... <laughs> just, to just holding back. But... <laughs> Do we want to discuss Andrew? Yeah, Oh, sure. yeah, let's discuss Andrew. Um, yeah, Matt, tell us your thoughts on Andrew. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, okay, first of all, do you guys follow um, him on Instagram? Yes. Uh, yes. yes. He has a great Instagram. Um, my first watch, I really don't remember paying much attention to Andrew at all for me it was you know in my second rewatch when I was you know getting a little bit more critical about the characterization etc etc when I was kind of like why isn't Andrew more visibly queer like why isn't it just kind of said Um, and I guess for me it's and I'm still I want to hear what you guys think about why the writers chose to make him like an undercover gay you know what i mean he's like he he makes like these little jokes that are like oh yeah by the way i'm i'm still gay but it's like he never actually is fully fledged as a queer character um in my opinion at least and i think he i don't know what what do you guys think i don't think i don't necessarily think that andrew was gay I I always read Andrew as kind of like a demisexual, um, or or maybe even like ace or era, like somebody who has to have 
develop like a really strong connection with someone Mm -hmm. in order to, you know, that, I mean, that's, I don't know. I don't know if you asked, if you asked Andrew, if he was gay, I don't think that he would necessarily come back at you with that. Wait, so he did come out in the comics. Oh, damn it. I forgot about (laughs) that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I guess the thing is also like, I'm thinking again from, you know, the writer's room. And I don't know that they would have had someone with the queer insight to, you know, say that he might have that sort of sexual identification for himself. Um, And I'm wondering, because I think my most logical conclusion from this is that they they considered him gay. Um, And just like, I'm not remembering exact examples but i do remember like little jokes here and there about it um i don't know if you guys remember any better yeah totally i I feel i like it makes me think that they kind of just like wrote for tom lenk and that there was like maybe some like tangentially gay person in the writer's room who just wanted to give us little nuggets but i think like towards like andrew's arc i think he was just such like a like a coward in a way where i don't even know if he would have been had the strength to like come out, you know, I I don't know. There was just like something about how he was in the last two seasons that made me think that it like, it wasn't something that he was fully capable of. Yeah. I would call him as being kind of in love with Warren and then later on kind of in love with Anya. Hmm, Yeah. I could see that. Interesting. Yeah. I I, thought that he was kind of in love with Xander. I see. And I read him and Anya, but I'm a little biased. I read him and Anya as like, the way I would befriend a drunk straight girl at a bar. <laughs> oh my god, you're really pretty. Like, we should be friends. I'm obsessed with you. I figured it out for, I, it just clicked for me. Okay. He, I don't think he knows. But I think he just knew asks, he was into Warren. The, the way that I'm thinking about it now is like, maybe because he's so unaware about, you know, himself in general, mm. he's very unself-aware as a character maybe it's just another thing that he's kind of like, he doesn't think about it that much or doesn't like, I doesn't think about himself as gay, even if he, you know, might be attracted to Warren. Um, That's fair. Yeah. So I guess maybe he just, maybe his character choice is just that he's very unselfconscious and kind of, you know, shameless. Um, And it's, I think in the seventh season in particular, it kind of reads as, a letdown, you know, in 2018, because again, we're looking back at this and being like, we need to be hypercritical about the queerness of the show. Um, but I don't know, how did it feel at the time? You know, you guys watched it when it was on. So how did that feel to you? Did you read I, him as gay? I, I, I read him as, I remember in season six thinking I couldn't tell if the actor was gay or the character was gay. And yeah. like, I I think, Brittany, I think you just said they probably wrote him a lot for Tom Lank, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that probably, like, falls, tr- like, comes true. Like, I think that, that, like, feels true to me. Um, yeah. Because I remember thinking, like, I can't tell if this character is supposed to be gay or maybe the actor's just gay. But I think it was probably a little bit of both. I think they probably really liked Tom Lank. I mean, clearly Joss liked him because he brought him back and he totally didn't need to for season seven. Um, and... I think that slowly they were like, oh, we can we can write this person, we can write Andrew kind of a little bit as Tom. And full disclosure, I have like I have met him a few times and I feel like he basically is Andrew minus the evil, minus the deep <laughs> references and plus show tunes. Like um and so I do think there probably was a little bit of they probably really liked him. Um and I think the same thing Dana, I don't know if you can agree with me, I think the probably the same thing with Tara slash Amber. Because Amber kind of, she's Tara minus the gay and the witch part. I don't know. <laughs> right. I said she, I basically, like, she's like Tara, but with Tara swore a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I think that for me, that's why those characters work for me, because I feel like the people are able to almost just kind of be themselves just a little bit different. Um, and I think that's why a lot of those characters work for me. But Andrew might not have worked for all of you guys. I, loved him like towards the end of season six it was like i liked him just because i i felt he was gay and then once it was like he was outwardly in love with warren but then once tara died it was like oh i hate all of them never mind i don't like anyone 
Um, but then I did really love him in season seven. I have to say, I thought, and him and Anya, like, I wish we could have gotten way more of them together. Well, guys, we are getting very close to the end of this podcast. And so we basically have one more big question to kind of discuss. And that is, and this kind of goes to Matt's article. How does the queerness of Buffy hold up 18, 20 years later? Oof, that made me feel old just hearing you say that. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, Matt or Brittany, I want you guys to go first. Sure. Um, I mean, maybe I'm looking at it through a different lens, but I think that to sit with a main character for four seasons and then watch them find out at the same time that you are, you know, that they're figuring out their sexuality, I feel like is a thing that's very rare. And I can't really think of many other shows that would have the patience to do that. And I just don't really think that happens today just because of like the, not the, I guess, so to speak, like the forced inclusion today that they'd be like, no, this character is going to come out in the pilot or like forcing, not forcing, but like having, having those storylines start from the very beginning or be kind of like a plot point to get people interested. Uh, I feel like the way that Buffy did it is, is something that's pretty rare. So in that respect, I, I, I think that that, element holds up but there are like of course details that i think should have should could be re-examined absolutely yeah i think um i would say i agree and i know um in my article i conclude that it doesn't hold up and in a lot of respects i think that it doesn't because you know i'm really you know like you guys said tara's death was really really hard um and I think it does kind of overshadow some of the other queer elements for me, um, just because it left such a bad taste in my mouth. But I think it's also, like you said, it is really, really, you know, it's hard to find something like that where, you know, you're watching this character discover themselves in that way. Um, even in 2018, you know, 18, 20 years later, whatever it is. Um, so I think it really, it, it comes down to a question of, you know, how critically we want to look at it. Um, but I would say that, you know, if my, my instinct is, you know, in 2018, I just want everything to be more gay. Um, and (laughs) I'm sure that you guys can, you know, feel that too. But, um, (laughs) I think it is also for me, I have to kind of take a step back and be like, okay, but there are straight people watching this show sometimes too. And (laughs) I guess we have to let them have something. um, God, will um, they ever have something of their own? (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's like so sad yeah, that they don't have the any stories or plot lines or romances or anything. Yeah, it's too bad for them. Um, <laughs> but the reason for me that I, you know, I feel like I I always want wanted more queerness in the show is because. It, <laughs> Sorry, there's a motorcycle. <laughs> I, I was I like, Boomst is riding like a motorcycle. <laughs> I I was being Sorry, awesome. guys, I gotta get going. <laughs> My ride's here. <laughs> Um, sorry go ahead Matt that's okay Um, I was just saying I think that for me it's like the show we were talking about how it's like in the beginning it's queer in ways that's not implicitly about queerness Um, and I think that when it actually does you know get to its queer elements I just wanted it to be so much more like I wanted it to I guess be I, I wanted to see Tara and Willow kiss sooner. I didn't want to have to wait so long. Yeah. I wanted Andrew to be gayer. I wanted, you know, Kennedy to be less annoying. Um, <laughs> so I guess just for me, it's like, it is those little things that kind of add up. Um, and it's hard for me to overlook them. I think that at the time, it Buffy was this life-changing thing. And... I feel that I, in my heart, Dana. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and my opinion of that hasn't changed. Um, my interpretation of things certainly has over the years. And there are definitely things I wish had been done differently. But I think it's so hard to say, like, to look at something that came 20 years ago. And, and especially in the queer entertainment scene where things have changed dramatically even in the last five years. So to look at something like two decades ago and say, does this still hold up now? 
that's, I guess that's almost kind of like, is that even a, is that even a question that we can be asking? Um, because it's just, it's so different and it changed so many people's lives. I mean, I can't see how many like young people uh, and young, like gay people and bi and queer people that I know whose, whose lives, like something clicked for them when they watched Buffy. And so if, if that is the only thing, if that's the follow through, if that's the thing that we hold on to from 20 years ago, then sure, yeah, I do. I, I think that, that that's the heart of it still holds up. You're right. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's totally true. <laughs> Dana, I'm going to cry. That was so well said. <laughs> 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 I just have a lot of feelings. <laughs> and they're all about Buffy, like all of them. <laughs> this has been so much fun you guys yeah uh, you guys were great um thank you so much for doing this um and thank you guys for listening if you want to follow our podcast on twitter we are at slayerfestx 98 if you want to follow me on twitter i'm at ian x carlos dana where can they find you on the internet you can find me at dana pickley that's two c's one l and Brittany. Uh, you could find me at Brit27Ash, and you can also listen to Angel on Top. It's our Angel Rewatch podcast. Yeah. And what about you, Matt? Um, I feel very unprofessional next to all of your <laughs> uh, your nice Twitter Twitter handles, but um, <laughs> mine is DogZaddy with the Z. <laughs> um, so you can find me there. And... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll leave you with that. That was <gasps> perfect, Matt. <laughs> um, all right, guys, thank you so much. Bye. 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 Unhappy Pride, everyone. Happy Pride. Yay. <laughs>